Well, we are back here. We are uh, coming live here on Sports and Songs Podcast today, April 3rd, 2020. I'm your host, co-host Dan, along with Andy. Andy, how are you doing today? I'm good. Yourself? Good. Not too bad. We're getting through this quarantine stuff. Not much in sports, but what we're going to do today on the show is uh, provide the listeners with various um, various updates of how sports are being impacted by all this. Uh, right. So we'll, we'll cover some of those uh, some of those things here coming up. Where would you like to start off today, Andy? I just got one high school note I saw yesterday in the Minnesota State High School League page. There, um, what a lot of schools are doing. It says the Minnesota schools are joining in turn on the stadium lights during select evening hours as a way to honor their students, staff, and community members in a time of distance learning while school buildings are closed due to the COVID-19 concerns. And at the one time, they listed a whole bunch of schools that were listed on there. Fortunately, I didn't see any of our local schools that we represent on there. I have forwarded on to other schools going, hey, guys, let's get on board with this. Let's. So you turn on the stadium lights for two hours at night. It's kind of like the old uh, missing child. You turn on the porch light situation. Same sort of thing they did that with Jacob Wetterling. This is the same thing. They turn on the stadium lights for a few hours at night, showing support not only for the students or the athletes, but for the community and the teachers and just everybody that's in town that's being affected by it. So I think that's a cool thing that some high schools have started doing. It looks like it's mostly in the smaller towns. Again, we're smaller towns, so let's do it, you know. Um and I, even if the big schools did it, well, you, you got a couple hours. Unless you're worried about kids going down there messing around because lights are on, but who cares? Let them. They're not supposed to be outside anyway. Stay in bed. Stay at home. Um, so that's what I got for high school. Um, I do have a couple college things. College and CBA Division Council Monday voted to allow schools to provide spring sports student athletes an additional season of competition to extend their, extend their eligibility. Yeah, I did. You're given four years out of five. That's pretty good. Uh, four years out of five to play, and we're extending it. So that's cool. I think, uh, you know, I don't know how many seniors will take them up on it, though. Like I said, if you're a senior, yeah, you got that draft, but I don't know. We'll wait and see. I I couldn't say I was ever a high school athlete or, col- or a college athlete where this affected me. A lot of these college athletes are finishing their degree. They want to go on with life um, if they're not being in that sport. So I don't know how that's going to work. Yeah, maybe stay at school another year and work on your master's and play another year of football or, or of baseball or something like that. Who knows? But uh, the NCAA has granted that. Um, they're giving schools exceptions on number of scholarships because of it. So that's all going to work out pretty good for them. But a lot of these schools, for these smaller schools, it's going to come down to numbers. Can they afford it? Can they afford to have extra students around? How that's going to go, I don't know. That's, I think, stuff they're still working out. They're, they're saying they'll allow them back. Now let's see how many come back and worry about it then. Uh, winter sports were not affected by this because they were basically in their conference finals. Getting, some had finished up their national finals. So, unfortunately, the winter sports teams can't do that. It's just the spring sports. So, that's what I got there. And, uh, that's what I got for uh, the college and high school. I got some other college notes later on we'll tackle, but uh, do you have anything yet, Dan? No, nothing on that. Uh, did you have some hockey uh, information coming up as well? Yeah. Yeah, college hockey. 
Um, we mentioned last week how they were doing their uh, the Mike Richter Award for the hockey MVP, if you will. Guy from BSU did not make the Final Five cut. They do have the Final Five down. Um, Drayden McKay from Minnesota State is one of the Final Five. So we got one local guy there. And then they have the Final Nine for Coach of the Year for Hockey. And Tom Storer of Bemidji State is one of the final uh, nine coaches up. Uh, he's also got a brother who coaches at Air Force. And to keep the stories local, Tom's cousin is Rob Stauber. Uh, you remember Rob Stauber? He was a coach of the U.S. women's ice hockey team that took the gold medal. And he was also a goalie that played for the University of Minnesota. And uh, he had a cup of coffee in the pros uh, with the Los Angeles Kings and the Buffalo Sabres. And he played some other minor league hockey around, but he's gotten into coaching now really good. Rob Stauber was one of the first collegiate goalies to get the Hobie Baker Award. So he was a great player at his time, a little bloodline knowing, but uh, Coach Tom is up for one of the top nine, or final nine, I should say, for Coach of the Year in uh, NCAA Division I hockey. And the goalies have cut down to the final five, so we got McKay, the goalie at Minnesota State. He's a sophomore. He's up for that. The college hockey one, the five guys are finals. They got two juniors, a freshman, and two sophomores. So college hockey players look like they're going to be good and strong for a while. Um, and that and you know, for hockey, they don't get a lot of publicity because their big thing at these awards is their big banquet and dinner at the end of the year. They're not having that right now. So it's going to be kind of a, you know, taking your sister to prom type situation. It's like, oh, yeah, I got the award, and no one can see me win it. So hopefully uh, – works out best for them. They could do something, something later on once everything gets back to normal, whatever that is anymore. And uh, best of luck to everybody involved. Uh, interesting, uh, interesting situation with all this uh, going on, but uh, there is our NCAA ice hockey and we've got, uh, did you want to move on to uh Let's see. Uh, football, maybe? Basketball? Uh, pro, pro sports? No, yeah. I, you know, basketball and pro basketball and hockey are basically still just kind of going around. You keep hearing a bunch of different ideas get kicked around, but really nothing going on there uh, that I've heard anything officially what they want to do. Everybody's just kicking around their own ideas. That's interesting nonetheless. Uh, I do know that we've got the uh, – the NFL draft is coming up. That's another thing that hasn't been changed. Um, I know we've got the uh, the start time. I can go into the NFL draft if you'd like. Uh, uh, they're still doing yeah. the seven, seven rounds. Uh, they're going to be having round one Thursday, April 23rd. And uh, that starts at 7 p.m. here central time. And that's just the first round on that Thursday. And I know it's only the third today, so we've got a couple weeks before this kicks off. Rounds two and three are the following day on that Friday. Rounds four, five, six, and seven are all done on Saturday. So they're going to do remote, remote type of things here for the uh, for the NFL draft and do it the, do it how they had before. Uh, you know, you're not not everyone there in the location, but uh, a lot of these teams had uh, the cameras at the war rooms of these uh, of the teams and in some of the homes of the players. So when they get drafted. Uh, they will be able to uh, get get the reaction on camera. Uh, the first round of the draft, each team gets 10 minutes to make its picks. 
The second and third round, each team gets seven minutes to make it pick. And in the fourth, fifth, sixth rounds, each team gets five minutes to make their pick. The final round, there's only seven rounds, uh, four minutes to wrap up uh, at the end. And that's all. That's going to be broadcast uh, on television. ABC, ESPN is going to cover it in the NFL Network. So it will be on television, something to, to be able to watch as right now, we're not able to watch a lot of sports unless they're all reruns or whatnot because of the the quarantine. But like I said, that's a that's a couple of weeks out. We might be better uh, then, or we might be in the same predicament. You know, who knows? One thing I do know is that the teams have announced their draft day cap, and so Buffalo Bills here is showing on the screen. Buffalo Bills, they're on the side. It's embroidered. Bill leave. B-I-L-L, believe, and these teams, all the 32 teams have their own draft day caps, uh, usually in the past fun to attend with your cap on, but now the public is not going to be able to attend, so that's out the window, but you still can get your caps for, for the draft. And so that's all I've really got for the, for the draft. Anything else? Um, I got one note about minor league baseball. They did pass a deal. Um, the players, the minor league baseball players, will be receiving $400 a week. Major league baseball teams okayed that through the end of May. So they also received the medical benefits too. If this is going to extend after that, I don't know. But right now, a lot of these minor league guys, they don't make the big money like everybody thinks they do. So they're at least giving them 400 bucks a week. They'll be able to keep uh, getting their medical benefits, doing some training at home. So when this all gets back together, Hopefully, again, uh, these guys will be ready to go. But good news for the minor league players. And you, you, when you hear that now, folks, the minor league players, that's not just AAA. That's like AAA, AA, A, rookie ball. That's a lot of a lot of streams down, a lot of guys getting 400 bucks a week. So that's a lot of money being paid out, which, yes, I know the teams have it. The owners have it, can afford it. But it's a good gesture on their part, I think, to be doing that. Is that, Andy, is that the 40-man roster that gets that? Uh, or all the this is all the minors. Well, it's the minor league roster. So whoever's on their minor league roster as of close down date. I see. Now I don't know if they were able to shuffle guys around to save money on stuff. Like uh, Chris Sale and Noah Syndergaard who went out for surgery. No, they didn't drop them down to the minor league roster to pay only four hundred bucks a week. That didn't happen. They're still getting their millions. But it's the guy who was the bubble player who. Oh, we'll put you on the minor leagues, but we'll call you up later on. He's getting a bone thrown at him with this. So then after uh, that is a baseball, that is pro sports. Anything else as far as we don't follow hockey, basketball that much, golf coming up, NASCAR, any updates on NASCAR? Um. I heard that uh, Wimbledon and the British Open have both canceled or postponed or canceled for this year. Um, the Olympics have officially changed their date to next year to July 23rd, 2021. But they're keeping their same logo, the 2020 logo, because you're not going to reprint all this stuff again. So it's going to be the same logo for the Olympics. But uh, Wimbledon and the British Open for golf have both canceled. or I'm not sure they canceled or postponed, but might as well just be canceled because you can't really reschedule those events. So they're done for the year. Uh, like I said, Kentucky Derby's been postponed. 
lots of things changing. So I think whatever sport comes back first is we get just embraced with open arms. And the thing I'm scared about is basketball's got the big eagle. They want to come back. Baseball's saying they want to be the first one back. I just hope they don't rush back. Let the guys get in shape and do it. Don't just you can't call them up and say, hey, what do you gotta do on Monday? Let's get a game. They they can't just do that. So hopefully in a couple weeks they can get trained or get out, you know, stretched out and get ready to go and we'll be back at it. Awesome. Awesome. All right, anything more for uh, for high school or college or uh, Olympics? That's all I got at sports, and I do have I do have a lot for this week in sports history, but uh, as uh, far as the games themselves, I have nothing else. Gotcha. Well, maybe we we'll cover that next, and uh, this week in sports, uh, this day in history, uh, we'll call it. Yes, this week in history. Sports. Yes, we'll start with March 29th, in 1984. The NFL Baltimore Colts moved to Indianapolis. The infamous uh, Mayflower moving van, moving them in the middle of the night there. I remember that, yes. That was a little historic there. And then that was one of those deals, too, when they moved, they kept the name on, like, other teams. Like, when the Cleveland Browns moved, they left the name there and went to Baltimore to be the Ravens. But the city of Cleveland got to own the name. Here, when the Colts moved, the, the name and everything all went, so... That's why you have Baltimore Ravens and Indianapolis Colts. Uh, 1989, the first Soviet hockey players are permitted to play in the NHL, which is kind of weird. You hear that now, you, you see more Soviet names than ever, but it was just in 89 when they are first allowed to play. And speaking of this, 1996, the Cleveland Browns chose their new name, the Baltimore Ravens. And or 1867, Cy Young, Hall of Fame pitcher, was born on this day, March 29th. So Cy Young's birthday there. 1955, uh, hero of my youth, Earl Campbell. Birthday, he uh, played college football, got the Heisman Trophy in 77 at the University of Texas. Uh, pro bowler, uh, played with the Houston Oilers. He was born in New Orleans, Louisiana on this day, 1955. And Mike Kingery, American baseball outfielder for the Pirates, was born in 1961. Andy, why do we care about Mike Kingery's birthday? He was born in St. James, Minnesota, so a local boy there. Oh, yeah. Happy birthday, Mary. Uh, March 30th, this week in history, 1943. Uh, shout out to Josh here on this one. 1943, the fifth NCAA men's basketball championship. Wyoming beats Georgetown 46-34. to So Cowboys point guard Ken Sailors was named the tournament MVP, our most outstanding player at the time. Was most, so Wyoming Cowboys, 1943 NCAA champions. 1988, Richard Sherman, uh, now of the 49ers, was born 1988 in Compton, California. Right. In 1998, the Milwaukee Brewers became the first team since the inception of the American League in 1901 to switch major league to switch leagues. Uh, the Brewers lost their first NL game to the Braves in Atlanta, two to one. This date, April 1st. Or this week, April 1st, 1919, Stanley Cup Finals, Seattle Ice Arena, Seattle, Washington, with Montreal Canadiens of the NHL and the Seattle Metropolitans of the PCHA tied at 2-2-1. Trophy was not awarded due to the worldwide flu epidemic. Oh, interesting. Uh, so it was affecting him back then, too. Um, 1936, Ron Paranowski, American League Baseball pitcher, uh, Saves leader in 1969-70 with the Minnesota Twins. 
and coached the World Series in 81 and 88 with the Dodgers, was born on this day in 1936. 1993, Alan Kowicki, a NASCAR driver, dies in a plane crash. He was 38 years old. I remember that. He had just won the championship the year before in 92. 93, he's coming in for an event, plane crash. It's a very sad event there. 1996, remember the name John McSherry, American League baseball umpire. Uh, did a lot of World Series and ball games. Died from a cardiac arrest while umpiring on opening day, 1951. And also passing away on this day in 2007, Herb Carneal, Twins broadcaster. Uh, died of uh, congestive heart failure at the age of 83. You listen back to the old Dan Cole show on KFAN. I was Herb Carneal guy. You were? Spoiler alert. Really? Yes. Oh, Called in a couple times. I was Herb Carneal guy. So that's yeah, me. He was very good. Right, April 2nd. Yeah, and he, he's still on the air for some reason. I don't know why. Same dumb booger joke all the time that he has, but that's all right. April 2nd. 1972, Gil Hodges, uh, his manager, played for the Brooklyn and Dodgers. He played for the Mets in the uh, Gold Glove. He managed the Washington Senators and the Mets. Dies of a heart attack at 57, just minutes after com completing a round of golf. So he had a round of golf, then passed away soon after that. 1995, longest strike in American League major sports, 232 days ends as Major League Baseball owners accept the player's offer. So that was this date, or that, that 1995. 2001, Seattle outfielder Ichiro Suzuki has two hits to become the first Japanese player to play in a regular season game in both Major League Baseball with the, as the Mariners beat the A's 5-4 at Safeco Field. April 3rd, Bo Jackson signed a one-year contract with Chicago White Sox. So Bo did the two-sport thing there for a while. And uh, 2007, Eddie Robinson, former head coach of Grambling, dies of Alzheimer's disease at the age of 88. April 4th, 1948. There's kind of a local note here. 84-year-old Connie Mack challenges 78-year-old Clark Griffith to a race from home to first base. The race ended up in a tie. Nice. Uh, 1956, Tommy Herr. Tommy Herr was born in the state in 1956. Uh Maybe someday off air. I don't know if you heard the story how Tommy Her got traded here or why. Yeah. It was that trade all of a sudden. Bernanski went to the Cardinals. Tommy Her here out of nowhere. There was issues with Tommy Her and some other players in the locker room. It couldn't be solved, so they just traded him. That, that's what happened there. 1963, Jack Del Rio was born. Uh, former Viking player and now coach. Was born in California this day, 1963. That's all I got for sports history. Now it's time for this week in music history. Now, uh, Andy, uh, I've got to jump in here with one last thing of sports. I forgot yes. that uh, for the listeners out there, I'm wearing a uh, strange cap. It's an old Las Vegas Outlaws 2001 XFL cap. And because of uh, all the sports being down, not much going on, including the XFL, I decided to break this out, uh, this old-timer uh, cap, uh, Las Vegas Outlaws cap from the 2001 season. They only played one year. But this coming season, Las Vegas will be back with the Raiders. Uh, so, yes, please please the move Raiders. ahead there uh, on your – sorry to interrupt, but I wanted to get that in. No, no that's fine. That's fine. Um, music history. 
March 29th, 1980, Brian Johnson of the band Gordy gets a new, slightly more high-profile gig replacing the deceased Bon Scott and ACDC. Johnson's first album with the band is Back in Black, which becomes the second best-selling album worldwide behind Thriller by Michael Jackson. 1980, Pink Floyd's The Dark Side of the Moon spends its 303rd week on the U.S. album charts, beating the record by Carol King's 1971 long player Tapestry. Record charts, albums on the charts that long, you just don't see that anymore with people dropping just individual songs instead of albums now. So, excuse me, 303 weeks on the charts is a record that won't be topped. Here's another one that won't be topped, again, because of the way album and music sales are today. 1975, Led Zeppelin becomes the first band in history to have six entries in the Billboard Albums chart at once. Their latest release, their latest release, Physical Graffiti, is at number one. With their previous five albums also on the charts, Led Zeppelin 4 at number 83, House of the Holy at 92, Led Zeppelin 2 at 104, and Led Zeppelin 116, and Led Zeppelin 3 at 124. They rarely release singles, which boosts their album sales. So at the time, they just said, here's an album. They didn't have three songs come off of it or two songs. Here's the album. And that's how you got it. And again, you won't see someone with six albums in the top 200 like that ever again just because of the way things are nowadays in life. And that's kind of sad. March 30th, 1962. MC Hammer is born in California. His birth name is Stanley Burrow. He is dubbed Hammer because he became the bat boy for the Oakland A's. And since he looked like the Hall of Famer Hammer and Hank Aaron, he got the name Hammer. So that's how MC Hammer got his nickname. Bat Boy for Oakland A's back in uh, 62. And you can kind of see some of the pictures around every now and then when you see, uh, if you look up at history, old A's pictures, and now you can see them on there. 1945, Eric Clapton is born. He forms the band Cream, Blind Faith, and Derek and the Dominoes. His birth name is often reported as Eric Clapp as Clapp is the surname of his grandparents who raised him. So there's a little controversy there what his real last name is. So we'll see on that how that pans out later. But I believe it's Clapton. Some people say it's Clap. We'll go with that later. 1931. At Theater in London, Jimi Hendrix sets fire to his guitar for the first time. And it goes to the hospital after the show with minor burns. During the rest of the tour, Hendrix makes a habit of playing his guitar with his teeth Ignites his axe a few more times. Now, Jimmy Hendrix reminds me of one of my favorite quotes in a movie. When I looked it up, the explanation after it on this website was hilarious. It was from White Men Can't Jump. When Wesley Snipes' character, Sidney Dane, goes, Look, man, you can listen to Jimmy, but you can't hear him. There's a difference, man. Just because you're listening to him doesn't mean you're hearing him. Then their explanation after the quote says, Talking to Billy about him being white and thus unable to understand Hendrix. Yeah, great movie, though. White Men Can't Jump, one of the best sports movies there is. 1955, Angus Young of ACDC is born. Uh, later moves to Australia and forms ACDC with his brother Malcolm. April 1st, 1983, Exodus guitarist Kurt Hammett gets a phone call from his manager asking him to audition for Metallica. Hammett accepts and several days later is on a plane in New York for a tryout. April 2nd. 1991, 
Lenny Kravitz. This is his sophomore album, Mama Said, with the hit, It Ain't Over Till It's Over. A plea for a reconciliation with his soon-to-be ex-wife, Lisa Bonet. Lisa Bonet is now married to, uh, I don't know his name, the guy who played Aquaman in the movies. That's who she's married to now. You probably saw her in his uh, Super Bowl commercial. She's the one helping him lift weights at the end. April 3rd, 1942, Wayne Newton is born in, New in Newfork, Virginia. And April 4th, um, U.S. civil rights activist Martin Luther King Jr. is killed after being shot in a Memphis motel balcony. King's life inspires a number of songs, including U2's Pride in the Name of Love. If you listen to that song, you hear him mention that. Uh, 1964, the Beatles hold the top five spots on the album's Hot 100 chart with the following singles. Please, please, remember, I want to hold your hand. Three, she loves you. Two, twist and shout. And one, can't buy me love. Stuff like this in music, like I said, with the album charts earlier. You're not going to see one person hold five spots anymore. This is just stuff. When I see this stuff in history, I just, I enjoy it because it, it's something that's never going to happen again. You just got to think back, if it could happen now, what would it be? 1966, Mike Starr, bass uh, guitarist for Alice in Chains, is born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Um, that is all I got, sir, for music history. Um, talking about music, I was just looking up before a while ago here on some sites. A lot of the summer concerts, they haven't officially canceled yet. So if you do have tickets, maybe just kind of keep watching their venues, maybe check you know, 93X's website for concerts. And another shameless plug for 93X, as we talked about some of the bands here, they're having a 90s weekend. So all the rock bands from the 90s, if you're into that, they'll have that on 93X all weekend long. But hey. speaking of albums, sir. I know we mentioned Byron, Byron Johnson here a little bit. What do you got for album of the week? Well, I got an album of the week here. I'll mention it in a sec, but I remember you uh, mentioning the Jimi Hendrix lighting his guitar on fire. I did a quick search and found that photo. Yeah. I found that photo, uh, and here it is for the listeners out there. Jimi Hendrix lighting his guitar on fire. Here's the, uh, here's the image right there. Uh, good stuff. Good stuff. That was uh lots of guys have figured out and copied it, but no one's gonna do no one could beat Jimmy. No one can duplicate it. Uh my album of the week is is a little uh ACDC back in black. It was their seventh studio album by the Australian rock band ACDC, released on July twenty fifth, nineteen eighty. It was the band's first album featuring new vocalist Brian Johnson. And so uh I'll bring it up here. Brian Johnson uh, came in, you know, uh, this was uh, February 1980. Bon Scott died from alcohol poisoning after a drinking binge. Uh, but instead of disbanding, the band was going to disband. You know, they were going to break up. Uh, they, they recruited the Brian Johnson from the band Gordy. Uh, Gordy and uh, this album, Back in Black in 1980, was composed entirely by Mr. Brian Johnson, Angus and Malcolm Young. That was it. The, the Young Brothers and Johnson, uh, Brian Johnson. The album was recorded over a seven-week span in the Bahamas from April to May of 1980, bringing in the producer Robert Mutt Lang came in. Uh, he did the previous album with them as well, and they did really, really huge uh, 
success with that previous album, but boy, they brought Mutt, uh, Mutt Lang in, and he later, who was he married to? Uh, what is her name? Andy? It's, uh, was it Shania Twain? Okay, I think it, I think it was. So the interesting thing is this is 1979 ACDC were poised to receive significant level of success after their previous album. Their sixth one was called Highway to Hell. So they brought in Mutt Lang for that and uh, making the bands sound a little more catchy and accessible to international audiences. And it became their first platinum album in the U.S. And so they brought on, they kept Mutt Lang for uh, Back in Black and brought in the new lead singer, Brian Johnson. And boy, this went gangbusters. Uh, but like I said, this album, the thing I found interesting, they had, they recorded it in Compass Point Studios in Nassau, the capital of the Bahamas. And uh, they spent, I think, seven weeks there putting this, putting this album together. There was some music and lyrics written by Bon Scott that they were thinking of using, but after some deliberation, the band thought, you know, what do we, we don't want to use Bon Scott, you know, the late Bon Scott uh, lyrics and composition um, because people will take that as us trying to profit from his death. So they scrapped it, used all this new, new information, uh, the new songs. And so they were, upon their arrival, the area was being hit in the Bahamas at that time, 1980, by several tropical storms wreaking havoc on the studio's electricity even. Now, let's see here. There, uh, there was a uh, uh, Brian Johnson felt pressure during the process after, after having never been recording with the group as the new guy, and they were adjusting to the environment after the storms, and even referenced the bad weather in the opening line of the song "Hell's Bells." The lyrics. I'm rolling thunder, pouring rain. I'm coming on like a hurricane. My lightning's flashing across the sky. You're only young, but you're going to die. So they uh, brought into the, the weather a little bit into that. And near the end of the process of the recording, the, the band phoned um, manager Ian Jeffrey in search of a bell, they wanted to get a recording of a bell, like a church bell, uh, for this for this album. And they they located a foundry uh, to produce it, but they didn't have much time to get this all squared away. So they said, you know what? Let's go to a church. Let's get a church bell. They found one nearby. They found one nearby, and they said every time the the, the church bell rang, all you could hear on the recording is the flock of birds flying off. So they said, well, we can't use that. Uh, so they went to a different foundry, got the bell, which turned out to be perfectly tuned, and used that and introduced that back when they went into the the uh, the remixes for this album was done at Electric Lady Studios in New York City, and to this day you can hear that bell on the Hell's Bells. Uh, they also have the, the the simple black cover of this album was all done in black, and what they did was they wanted to use it as a sign of mourning, mourning. Uh, for Bon Scott's death, uh, the band, the the record label, Atlantic Record Label, disagreed with that. They said we we want something else on there, whether it's an image, a, a cartoon, or a photograph, or something. They don't want just black, but they finally agreed to do 
uh, the, the plain black album as long as the ACDC logo was was outlined in gray. They allowed that to to move uh, forward. The influence of this back and black CD was huge because it, it sold so much that ACDC went back and re-released the album Highway to Hell. Uh, not not re-released. I'm sorry. The album Highway to Hell. If you want blood, you've got it, and let there be rock. All re-entered the charts. Uh, they all re-entered the British charts, which made the band the first since the Beatles to have four albums in the British top 100 simultaneously. And uh, so that was it. To promote this album, music videos were made for "You Shook Me All Night Long," "Hell's Bells," uh, "Black and Black," "Rock and Roll," "Roll Ain't Noise Pollution." Let me put my love into you and shoot to thrill. Now, all those were music videos, although uh, let me put my love into you and shoot to thrill were never actually were released as singles. Back in Black, very influential hard rock and heavy metal album. Uh, it was hailed by some uh, as a high watermark for, for heavy metal. In fact, the resulting music, along with the contemporary records that came out at the same time by Motorhead and Ozzy Osbourne, actually helped revitalize and reintroduce metal to a younger generation of listeners, um, eventually resulting in the punk metal crossover uh, personified by Metallica and others. Um, this album is, is, is very good. Many say to this day it's the de facto paint-by-numbers guidebook for how a hard rock record should sound. After, even in the years after its release, studios in Nashville, Nashville would use that album record to check the acoustics of a room for recording. Motorhead, the band, would even use it to tune their sound system. Now, the interesting note here with this is, is the American death metal group Six Feet Under recorded a cover of the entire Back to Black, Back in Black album. They recorded an entire cover of this under uh, the title, title Graveyard Classics. And so side one of the cassette is Hell's Bells, Shoot the Thrill. What do you do for your money, honey? Giving the dog a bone. Let me put my love into you. Side two, Back in Black, you shook me all night long. Have a drink on me. Shake a leg. And rock and roll ain't noise pollution. Once again, Brian Johnson, lead vocals. Angus Young, lead guitar. His brother, Malcolm, rhythm guitar. Bass was done by Cliff Williams. Drums, Phil Rudd. And once again, Mutt Lang did the uh, producing on this, which really uh, took off uh, his career because he became the guy to get when going into to the studio. This album was so good. It went double platinum in the following countries, Switzerland, the UK, Italy, Germany, France, Denmark, Argentina, this went triple platinum, Australia, 12 times platinum, and in the United States, in the United States, it was certified just last December, here four months ago, 25 times platinum, 25 times platinum, and they think overall uh, this thing sold 50 million records worldwide, worldwide, which is huge. Now, the original singer, Bon Scott, died in February 
they had just finished a uh, wrapping up the tour for their for their previous album, and like I said, the band was from Australia. They were in the UK in London. He partied at a London nightclub uh, so hard that he lost consciousness, uh, overdosed on on drinking, um, slept in a friend's car overnight. They checked on him the next morning, and found that he was unresponsive, rushed him to a hospital uh, where medical personnel pronounced him dead on arrival. Uh, officially, it was listed as acute alcohol poisoning, but it was ended up classified as death by misadventure. Uh, Scott was cremated and his ashes are in Western Australia. And, and uh, after Bon Scott's funeral, the band immediately began auditions for a replacement frontman. That's when Mutt Lang, once again, Mutt Lang brought him in, Brian Johnson, and thought he'd be a good one. They went through the rest of the auditions, very average. Uh, they kind of went through begrudgingly the rest of the auditions as they knew Johnson was the man they called him. It was March 29th, Malcolm Young called Brian Johnson uh, to, to tell him that we're gonna offer you the job um, to his surprise, uh, surprise actually that he was offered that position. So that is my information on, on ACDC Back in Black. Um, very interesting stuff there um, with that with that album, and I can't believe you know that's 50 million sales, uh, 50 million record sales worldwide uh, for for that for that album. That's all I've got. Yeah, those numbers you don't hear those type of numbers anymore. No, and like I said, I didn't know uh, that with Led Zeppelin not releasing singles, I wasn't aware of that. But uh, here the singles were. Uh, were uh, You Shook Me All Night Long, which was released in August of that year. Then they came out with Hell's Bells. Then they came out with Back in Black. And then Rock and Roll Ain't Noise Pollution were the, were the four singles. But even then, they did six music videos for songs on this, on this, uh, on this album. There's some Hell's Bells right there. Yes. Well, anything else, uh, Andy? Just a couple of shameless plugs for next week. Uh, audio uh, on Inc. to recap WrestleMania this weekend and recap how his opinions of uh, how the wrestling show has been going on TV in the empty arenas. Um, you won't find that here on the live one. You'll find that on the Anchor app, not this Saturday, but next Saturday after WrestleMania. That will do a recap for that. So the April 10th show, you'll have those. And also, you can follow us on our links, like I said, the Facebook page that you might be watching on now. Uh, Twitter, Sports and Songs 1. Instagram, is Sports and Songs. Uh, we have a blog, uh, sportsandsongspodcast.blogspot.com. And, of course, look up for the Sports and Songs podcast on YouTube. As the other people on YouTube say, smash that bell and give it a like, and you'll be notified every time a new video comes up. Awesome. That's all I've got for this week. Well, once again, we'll get it up there on the on the anchor site for the audio only. And this is a good forum to hit the uh, to get the video of the various images and and things like that. And we'll push it up there on YouTube as well. But um, that's it. Please leave your comments below and your questions and your recommendations for future shows. And thanks again for listening. All right. See you later. <laughs>